Clayton. John Clayton. Hey, Mom, I'm done with my this is the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts with John Clayton. Brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. Time to talk football as we do every day at this time with Wyman and Bob on 710 ESPN Seattle. If you guys have questions for the professor, text them in right now, 206-421-3776. That's 421 ESPN. We'll get to your questions uh, as many as we can before we let them go for the day. Hi, John. Hi, guys. Hey, you're there. Okay. What do you mean? Well, they, they fired a, uh, a sounder, and it was John Clayton. It was premature. I thought we were going to have problems. They fired a sounder? What What, what are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, a little it was like, like like your open got fired in the oh. last segment out, of, oh, out okay. of nowhere. Just it just started playing, John. Oh, okay. It's Halloween. There are ghosts in here. We're, We're glad to have you. Thank uh, you. Appreciate it, John. Have you? This is something Dave and and Bump, who we're going to talk to later, had said that they they've sort of changed their expectations of this Seahawks team as the season has gone mm-hmm. on. And I've I, I guess I'm still stuck in my. I think I said they'd win 11 games, something like that. And I'm still sort of holding them to that standard, which I guess at this point isn't really fair because they're just not that team. Have you changed what you expect from this team? Of course. I mean, because, again, it's like I thought they were going to be you know, an 11-12 win team, maybe 10 at the worst. But now you can see that with four losses, because remember, you know, the four losses they have is like the four losses that they had last year. And so you just start running out. So where they were a Super Bowl contending team, now I think they can be a wild card contending team. But let me tell you one secret, because obviously a two and four, they're in trouble. Right. Mm-hmm. No question about it. We don't know what's going to happen with New Orleans. You know, they're going to be Jacksonville. So that could be one and one and that'd be three and five. But here's the key. If you look at the standings, there's only six teams right now in the NFC with winning records. Mm-hmm. Only six. And so because of that, it's kind of like last year with Chicago. You know, Chicago really wasn't a playoff team, but they snuck in, made the playoffs at eight and eight. And so, uh, you know, that uh, you know creates the opportunity for some of these two and four, two and three teams to be able to maybe you know sneak in there toward the end. And again, we don't know if some of these teams right now are going to hold up. But I mean, you're sitting here now six weeks into the season, and you're five, four games behind Arizona. You're three games behind the Rams. I mean, you're most likely not going to finish you know one or two in the division. You're looking more at the uh, you know you know the third place. <clears throat> and of course, you got San Francisco right now with the bye week uh coming back passed up you know they're they're two and three but still they do have time to be able to you know try to fix things and see if they can get a wild card and do the best they can with that which is still tough because it's three road games yeah no you're right and and i was thinking the same thing Uh, but some of the teams that they need to compete with there john are uh, minnesota chicago i feel like the you know the nfc east washington philadelphia Mm -hmm. New York. I mean, you don't really. Well, New York's one and five, but I mean, not great quarterback no, play. Yeah, they're terrible. Yeah, and then you know, you look at Minnesota, Chicago, uh, New Orleans, Carolina. Of those, you know, four there is Carolina probably the best. They're three and three. Three and three. Yeah. New Orleans three and two, but yeah, I mean, I feel like Carolina is maybe the the biggest challenge, at least <laughs> so far, anyway, as far as that getting that other wild card spot. Yeah, but a couple of things with Carolina. Of course, you know they got uh, you know Christian McCaffrey on the injured reserve list. So he's going to be out three weeks. Then he's now, what, missed uh, 18 of 24 games in the last couple of years. And then uh, say what you want. I mean, Sam Darnold got off to a good start, but he's not playing well. And so that's a big factor. Their defense is great because it's you know, one of the best defenses in football. But, uh, 
and you know, Phil Snow's done such a great job with his blitzing packages and everything else. But I mean, you know, it's still wide open. That's the one thing. Now, again, I mean, you know that you know the, the three teams in the NFC East, and I'm including Philadelphia, just aren't any good. I mean, they've combined for four wins, and you know, and and think about this you know, with the fact that you know come, they're coming off a season where every team in the division had a losing record. The schedule that all the teams in the division had. It, with the exception of maybe Washington, who won the division and had to play, you know, some of the, you know, number one seeds, you know, the three times, is that, uh, you know, every team in the division had an easy schedule, and they're not taking advantage of it. The only one team that's doing it is the Dallas Cowboys. So where where are you at with the Arizona Cardinals now? Uh, another impressive win. They do it without their head coach. They do it without Chandler Jones. They mm-hmm. do it without a tight end that blew his knee out. You figure, all right, if they're going to have a step back, maybe this is it. Brown's a pretty good team. Uh, but here, here they are. They and that was on the road too. Yeah. And they go out there and just beat the daylights out of Cleveland. They beat the Rams, who were very good. They beat you know Tennessee, Minnesota. It's, I mean, at what point do you go? All right, this is really who they are. Not that they're not going to you know lose a game here or there, but for the most part, is this is this the real deal? I think it's the real deal. Now, the only thing that you wonder about is that they probably have had more COVID nineteen players than any team in football because I can't you know I keep track of that and I have to update today today's waivers but it's like they're over 20 over 20 guys that have had you know COVID-19 of course now you have uh, Chandler Jones he missed the game because of COVID-19 Cliff Kingsbury missed the game a couple key offensive coaches Steve Kime the general manager he had COVID-19 and those were all positive tests so uh you know, you, you kind of wonder, at some point, does that catch up to them? Because, again, you saw last year, when you have, you know, a breakout on teams, you know, it affects their ability to bounce back and do some things. But still, this team seems to be unaffected, and so much of it is because Ky- Kyler Murray is just so good. And so, like, Yeah, he's taking that step we thought he might take last season, right, John? Uh, yeah, I'm, see, I'm of the uh, – now, again, we saw it different with Andrew Luck. We saw it different with Russell Wilson, and we usually see it, you know, not the same way with most quarterbacks. Although I think we're starting to see it a little bit with Joe Burrow. It's usually the third season that the young quarterback starts to really emerge, and this, of course, is Kyler Murray's third season, and he's really emerged, and he looks for real. Like for example, I know that probably being criticized for this, but I ended up voting, <clears throat> at least for now, Kyler Murray is the MVP over Josh Allen and over uh, Lamar Jackson, and so, and also over Aaron Rodgers. But I think he's played that well, and of course, say what you want, he's undefeated, and despite all the problems they had yesterday, they're still undefeated. Hey, John, uh, getting back to last night. Yeah. The run game, you know, Alex Collins, he looks, the, you see from the San Francisco game, a mm-hmm. couple runs in, in the, the Ram game, and then last night, He's running as well as anybody in the league right now. The way he's seeing the field. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, he's this top five guy, but that was that was really encouraging. What what were some of the other you know positives that you took away from from last night's game? Well, I think you know in the secondary, uh, because <clears throat> what you saw was a couple things. Uh, number one, I mean, you know, for the first time, I don't know when the last time was, but you know, you actually saw Pete Carroll rotate cornerbacks. Because he started with Sidney Jones naturally, and then even though Sidney was healthy at that one point, you know they put in Trey Brown, and Trey Brown looks good. And so then all of a sudden, when Sidney Jones got hurt, Trey Brown went out there, played 40 plays, and he played him well. 
And so you can see that, you know, maybe he's on the verge of maybe knocking on the door for a starting job. I mean, we all know that DJ Reed had a great game last night. I thought the other thing was that they synced up better. And it wasn't this. I guess you can say you can't say totally it was the linebackers because they only have two linebackers on the field. But the one thing that they did start to do is that, uh, you know, they use a few more, you know, seven defensive backs. And because of that, I think that, you know, that that certainly got Ryan Neal on the field because, I mean, how about this stat? Ryan Neal was on the field for 15 plays last night. And I know you like Ryan Neal, mm-hmm. and we both like Cody Barton, but Cody Barton was only on the field for two plays, and he's a starting outside strong side linebacker. And so uh, he was only, only on the play for two plays. That's it. And so because of that, I think you can see that uh, they had more flexibility. It gave Jamal... Adams a little bit more freedom to be, you know, creative, blitz a little bit. Now he only had six tackles, but uh, you know, I know that uh, you know he, he gets. I mean, he gets criticized. I think a little bit too much. Like for example, that one interception that he could have had the ball hit him in the face. But let's put it this way, you know, in in the face mask. But it's like, hey, it hit him in the face mask as opposed to him being, you know, six yards away from the guy who was trying to catch the ball. Yeah, what do you make of, of Jamal Adams? I mean, as far as I know what people are going to say. Yeah, I know. You know, they're going to say, oh, he can't play, you know, the, the pass and everything. But you have to say, though, I mean, after the one hits him in the stomach with the Jets, and mm-hmm. maybe it just it's just something that, you know, he needs to sharpen his his skills, you know, as far as catching the ball. I mean, I always look at, use the example, Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner has great ball awareness, you know, is always getting it, but... I wonder with him, I, I still feel like he can cover. It's just that he just has a hard time locating the ball and playing the ball in the air, it seems like. To be the honest, I mean, watching him now for the past uh, almost year and a half, you know, I don't care if he doesn't get an interception, right? Mm-hmm. I know he wants five, but I'm more concerned about the coverage. Just cover. And if you can be there to knock the ball away from a wide receiver, tight end, whoever, that's more important than anything else to stop the play. But, I mean, the, the fact that last night, you know, here they were so much better with their pass coverage. Now, for the total, they gave up, what, 345 yards in total off, uh, to offense to the Steelers. That was good. Huge improvement. Yeah, big improvement because that now took them down to like 434 or something like that as opposed to 454. Okay, that was encouraging. The fact that, how about, you know, because, again, you know how many big plays this defense gives up in the past. They only had one play, one play that was longer than 15 yards. That was a 23-yard uh, play, and they had two at 15, and in the first half, they didn't allow anything above 12. That was good. And so you can see there was an improvement there. There was a little bit more of a pass rush. Not enough, but still a little bit more. So that was encouraging. So, uh, you know, they did a better job of stopping the run. They just played better on defense to a point where once they got Alex Collins running the football— which, of course, you know, they needed that to happen, uh, is that uh, you know, they were able to come back from two touchdowns down and eventually get it into overtime. Yeah, you know, and, and, and in total, uh, as far as run and pass, there was only two plays that they gave up that were over 20 yards. And then you, you go look at, and on the other side of the ball, Geno Smith and this mm-hmm. offense, they had five plays over 20 yards. So you would have never thought that going in. I mean, if you'd have read those to me, I would have said, for sure the Seahawks gave up the five 20-plus yard plays. Well, and also I think the other thing that uh, you can look at is that Ben Roethlisberger was restricted to a short game, you know, because he only threw for like about 5.7 yards per per attempt, which that's, you know, 6.4 is considered bad. 
Mm. He was at 5.7. Now, again, he completed a high percentage of his passes. He had a great game. He was able to win the football game, all those different things. But they did a good job of minimizing Big Ben. So Big Ben was kind of either medium Ben or little Ben because he wasn't able to be Big Ben. You know, the two things that, that to me look to be true that you were talking about leading into this game, John, is the O-line isn't great and Big Ben is a shell of what he used to be. He he, he certainly has lost his fastball. You watch him throw yeah. the ball. It just looks completely different coming coming out of his hand. Uh, and then the O-line, I was thinking, okay, great. You know, this could be the game where the where the pass rush really has that feast, where they, they end the day with five or six sacks. And, you know, it's just one of those games. They had one sack that was a team sack. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I, was, I was a little disappointed with the fact that they weren't able to take advantage of what you and a lot of people have said is really a terrible offensive line. Yeah, but also what you're looking at, too, is that uh, you know Ben gets rid of the ball now quicker than any quarterback in the league. I mean, we used to see that with Phillip Rivers, you know, but what you're looking at with Ben, I think you know coming into the game, he was getting rid of the ball in 2.45 seconds, which I think was the best in the league. And, you know, like, for example, Russell, before getting hurt, I mean, he was down in a 2.67, 2.68 range after being 2.97 last year. But, you know, Ben gets rid of the ball quick, and if you get rid of the ball quick, you're not going to get sacked. I mean, you can get pressure, and they got pressure. Uh, so that was encouraging, and it's also encouraging that, you know, Daryl Taylor uh, did not suffer a neck injury, according to Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. And after being taken to the hospital, which, of course, the hospital is just, you know, right really across the street from the stadium down there. They were able to get him back on the plane, get him here, and he has an outside chance of being able to play on Monday night. Hey, John, did you hear this thing uh, between DK Metcalf and Shannon Sharp? Yep. Uh, <laughs> I guess he tweeted out something about, what are you doing or trying to make a play trying at the to be end? a hero. Yeah, why don't you get out of bounds or whatever, which that was my thought when, when DK comes down with that catch and mm-hmm. then he squares up and I'm like, what are you doing? Why, why are you trying to – and then he ends up, you know – Trying to get a few more yards for your field goal kicker. But I I thought it was pretty funny, and I thought, you know, Bob and I were speculating that maybe DK Metcalf is not fully aware who Shannon Sharp is, or at least wasn't at the time. Mm -hmm. Probably, yeah. I mean, didn't realize he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. yeah, One of the great players for the Denver Broncos in their history and all that stuff. He's on the year. So, you know, as much as DK trains and does all this stuff, he probably doesn't watch a lot of the NFL Network and some of the things like that. So, yeah, whatever. But, of course, yeah, I think you're right. He probably didn't even know who Shannon Sharp was. Well, I have to say, though, now for the first time I'm looking at the Twitter feed. Yeah. Um, Shannon Sharp's profile picture is him standing in there with a gold jacket and his bust. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I think DK probably should have. He's probably not paying attention. Probably not. Paying I mean, attention. The, the age gap is such at this point where it would make sense that maybe DK's not that familiar with his right. Knows he was a player, but maybe doesn't know much about him. Certainly didn't watch him play. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, we forget how young some of these guys are. You yeah, but, but you would think that you know DK would have a better chance than most players his age to be able to do that, you know, being that he comes from the Metcalf family yeah. and his father played in the National Football League as an offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows, man? No, he's, who knows? He's a young man. He may not just be – maybe he just – Shannon's a football player, didn't know he was that good. And yeah. Went and looked up because his final tweet was, hey, you know what? You're right. I do hope I have a resume that can stack up to yours and you know kind of kind of giving in like oh yeah, yeah, yeah you know what now upon further review you're right <laughs> i thought that was pretty good but um as, as far as uh somebody was asking uh the text here i'll go back and find it basically they're asking what do you expect 
Penny to do next week because they're saying he's going to be available. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, there's zero question as to who the starter is with Chris Carson out. It is most certainly Alex Collins if he's healthy. Should Penny be the number two, or should it be DJ Dallas or Travis Homer? What do you? How do you see him? No, being... I think I mean you give him the chance to be number two, but then you know you get Homer in there and you get Dallas in there and you know try to get try to get them all in there because again they they need to run the football. I mean they don't need to do what they did in the first half, which is not run the football. That I thought was a mistake, and obviously Pete Carroll corrected that at halftime and said run the ball. And they ran the ball, and they ran it well. I mean, the Steelers at times just could not even stop the running game. and could not stop Collins, could not stop Homer. They did such a good job there. But I think that, uh, you know, again, Penny's going to be a lot rusty because, again, he's missed so much time. And uh, obviously this is his last year, and he's going to have urgency and all those different things. But, I mean, I think the key right now is making sure they have Collins. You know, the, the Bengals took a lot of heat for drafting Jamar Chase out of LSU, and they should have taken Panay Sewell, and then they end up playing Detroit yesterday, Yeah, the team that took Panay Sewell. That Jamar Chase kid, he's worked out pretty well, man. He really how has. About, how about the block that he threw downfield, leading, I think it was Joe Mixon, mm-hmm. in for a touchdown? I mean, this kid has, and he had 97 yards reception uh, and a long of 53 yesterday. So, yeah, that they, they were proven right on that one. Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, I still would have felt better if they got some more help on the offensive line to give uh, Joe Burrow a better chance <clears throat> to try to be able to you know do some things because again I mean he just got so killed last year with how many hits that he had and the bad protection and all that stuff and again it's like I read nothing into wins against Detroit because Detroit's so bad yeah uh, quickly before we let you go what'd you make of uh, Campbell's comments about Jared Goff after the game uh what were I, I didn't hear the I didn't see the comments he basically said he needs to step it up. He yeah, needs, you yeah. know, I'm summarizing, but he's like, "Hey, you got to put this team on your on your back a little bit here. He's gonna, he's going to have to basically do more than he's been doing." Yeah, that's not his personality, and so it's like uh, good for the uh, you know, the knee biter to be able to uh, go ahead and you know do that. And he said he's going to shake up a whole bunch of stuff this week, but of course, I mean, there's not much to shake up because the team's so bad. Yeah, that's why I would think, you know, hey, Goff, you got to be better. I'm thinking, all right, well, what what about everybody around him? Yeah, how about how about Joe Judge too? <laughs> Joe Judge, you know, screaming that the player, a lot of the players on the team aren't even giving efforts. <laughs> Jeez, not good, not good. John, we'll talk tomorrow. Okay, sounds good. There you go. If you missed any of today's cold hard facts, brought to you by Coors Light, made to chill. Download the podcast at seven ten sports. Dot com. There's another option at quarterback for the Seahawks, but it sounds a bit unlikely. We'll talk about that next with Wyman and Bob on 710 ESPN Seattle.